welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and with me this week is Esposo de la Pastora, El Presidente, Dan Marcelo. Hello. Presidente. Young Adults Director, Scott Reed. (laughs) That is me now. And the pride of Akron, Ohio, Bill Cow. Yeah. Sorry, Dave. Take that, LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) Scott, will you pray? Wait, is LeBron from Akron? Yeah. I was the resemblance is uncanny. Uh-huh. Scott, will you? We all pray? look alike. I will pray. <laughs> 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 pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and and for these three gentlemen sitting at this table with me, Lord, and just for the fun that we can have and and the ways that we can grow together as we talk about your Word and and your character. And we just pray, Lord, that as we do that today, that um, it would benefit not only us but also those who hear it. Uh, Lord, that we would all draw closer to you because of um, discussing these topics today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rathers, trivia quizzes, oh. and pictures of LeBron James episode ever. <laughs> to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org, just like Eric did. Eric sent in some would you rathers for us today. Scott, mm. take it away. All right. Now, I know normally we don't say full names on the show, but I'm going to say both of their full names. Okay. Because otherwise it's like... Not funny well, to listen to. You're the young adults director. I guess so. Uh, all right. So we've got quite a few. So we're just going to whip around the table, <laughs> give your answer, no justification, so we can get through all of these. Um, this is for you, Eric. You better <laughs> listen to this episode. <laughs> um, so the first question is, would you rather be locked in a room for 72 hours, which is three straight days, oh, although wow. it doesn't say in a row. That's true. Um, with Spread Eric out. DeNovo or Josh Ramirez? Bill. I like them both. Uh, I'll take Eric DeNovo. I'll take Josh Ramirez to keep it even. I like them both, too. I'll take Josh Ramirez to keep the evenness going or something. I'll Nope, but I'll take Eric DeNovo to keep Perfect. the evenness going. Perfect. <laughs> well, that's right. good. The next question is, given this question, I feel like the first question is like a, a good would you rather. Like, would you rather have a million dollars or be able to fly? Uh-huh. As opposed to like, would you rather get shot in the foot or in the hand? Right. Um, because the next question Obviously is, would you rather be locked in a room with 72 hours, for 72 hours, with Batman or Iron Man? Seem like pretty good options. So I feel like Eric is equating him and Josh to Batman and Iron Man I agree. on some level. I agree. So, Bill, Batman or Iron Man? Iron Man. I just thought that was hilarious how that first episode ended. I am Iron Man. Uh, <laughs> I just love that. Nice. You just keep saying that to him for 72, 72 hours. hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me. Uh, I'll also go Iron Man. I'll go Batman. He's got some complex emotional issues. Talking about childhood. Sure, why not? Beat him to Christ. From that. That yeah. would be... I'm also going to go with Iron Man because Batman has some complex emotional <laughs> <things. laughs> All right. Uh, would you rather go on the Titanic or the Hindenburg? Mm. <laughs> Does that mean like go as in travel or go as in like go? I think go and <laughs> potentially die on either one of them. <laughs> I think I think you got to, yeah. I don't think anybody survived the Hindenburg, did they? I think, I don't know. I think they all I th- died. Hindenburg. I think, some, <laughs> I think some people did survive. Oh, good. I mean, they're all dead now. That happened yeah, eight years ago. <laughs> Listen to this, and you were on the Hindenburg. Let us write in the podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. <laughs> well, Bill, Bill, what'll it be? I, I, I'll take the Titanic. 
I just don't like the idea of dying in a fiery crash. Sure. That's fair. Well, the Titanic. And I might get lucky and get a lifeboat, especially a, now that I know how it turns out. <laughs> I'm taking a lifeboat. <laughs> out of 97 passengers and crew, 62 people survived on the Hindenburg. Whoa. Ooh, they did great. I think nice. the percentages were less on the Titanic. Yeah, I was going to say, can you find our ratio for the Titanic? That's incredible. How did they... <laughs> they just Max. jump? What was they were without knowing the, the percentages in the Titanic? Right, I'm still going jump? Hindenburg. All right, Dan, I'm going the Hindenburg. I definitely would have said Titanic, but now I guess I should go Hindenburg. 700 people survived. You know what they say at Belfast? The, yeah. The Titanic left from Belfast. Oh. Right. 1,500 <laughs> people were on the Titanic. 700 survived. Wow. wow. And the Those Irish are both pretty say, good odds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> It was think. fine when it left here. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Bill, would you rather play jump rope with a live wire or a tug of war against a pickup truck? I'll take tug of war with a pickup truck. <laughs> you just lose and it's over. Oh, I'm just scared of electricity. Sure. Man. I've got good, I got <clears throat> mad jumping skills. How long do I have to play jump rope for? <laughs> Doesn't say. Then I, I'll go jump rope. As long as you live. I'm not afraid. In both scenarios. I'll jump for the rest of my life. <laughs> No, I do the tug of war with the pickup truck. Just let go. Sorry, pickup truck. I guess you win. Yeah, I'll go pickup truck. Too. I mean, that, that, yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Cowards. Rip off my arms. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is the worst that can happen. Bill, would you rather play quarterback for the Bears with no training or be the starting pitcher for the Cubs or Sox for five innings? Oh, I would love to be the starting pitcher. That would mm. be a blast. Mm-hmm. Trouble with being the Bears quarterback, you're going to get killed on the first play. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'd would. go socks so that the expectations are low. And then I'd pitch. I've pitched before. I'll yeah. pitch again. Yeah, I've pitched before, too. I'd do that. That'd be fun. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that happens if you to your body, if you pitch, it's... I mean, if you're not good at pitching, is that you know they hit the ball and it hits you? That's like yeah. pretty pretty low chance of that. So I think I might get relieved after like one inning anyway. So. Yeah, like, I mean it says for the it five, says innings. five innings. Five innings. You, you gotta give you, you everyone to get fifteen regret. outs. I mean, the good yeah, <laughs> scores out fifteen thousand. That's a good point. You do have to get outs to yeah. to move on in the game. But I mean, it could be the longest game in the history of the but major even league in baseball. batting practice. They still accidentally, you know, hit pop ups. Yeah, and that's stuff. true. So that's true. It's not only reliant on me. A stopped clock is right twice a day. Except for that one. That one's wrong. Well, it's not stopped, but it's still <laughs> that's wrong. That's the problem. problem. <laughs> um, Bill, would you rather travel back in time and be a pirate, or travel forward in time and be a space pirate? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Yeah, it is. Mm. I'll travel back in time. That sounds like fun. I'll be a space pirate. That sounds like fun. I'll be a regular pirate from a long time ago. <laughs> My gut was, was space pirate, but then I remember that space is terrifying, and I never want to go into space. Like you, well, you die instantly in space. Probably. Not exactly. You that can survive. How you go out? If you, you go can, out in your suit, after about a minute, you're kind you of just spin out of control for. No. Three days until you die. Do you not die instantly yeah. in space? I figured just the cold and the shock would at least... You would go unconscious before you die. What if well, you, you could take your helmet off. Well, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Not sure. like, you know. I mean, the, the radiation would probably get you or the sun if you're in the sun and the sun sure. is... Rays are really... There's no atmosphere to filter them out. So. Sure. True. You could survive, technically. Yeah. Bill, would you rather cook dinner for Gordon Ramsay or give a church service for Billy Graham? Give a church service. Billy Graham is going to be... <laughs> Even Billy Graham. He'll he's be so dead. gracious. He'll be so yeah. gracious. Yeah. You just give it to his grave. That's really easy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dang. You're not wrong. <laughs> I'd give a, I would give a church service to Gordon Ramsay. 
Nice. Hey, there you go. Ooh. Yeah, I'd, I'd be too scared to cook for Gordon Ramsay. He roasts everyone on the yeah, online. I would unless definitely girl. unless he makes something so yeah. simple that there's not like there's nothing you could do wrong. No. They just start cursing at you. Still does it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, definitely Billy Graham. Because yeah, he's I mean he's Billy Graham. He's not gonna be a jerk about it. Um, Bill, Especially would you know? Um, <laughs> Bill, would you rather be the president that ends world hunger and makes universal health care with no flaws, but causes World War Three? Ooh. Or be a regular president like Frederick Douglass. <laughs> <laughs> Frederick, Frederick Douglass was not a president. <laughs> Frederick Douglass wasn't a president? No. no. He was an abolitionist. <laughs> he, was a, he was a former slave. That be, <laughs> no, answer the question. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I got to Google this. <laughs> Frederick Douglass had amazing hair. <laughs> no, but he was a right, Bill. He was an abolitionist. Yeah. Yeah. He lived during the time of the Civil, Civil War. Civil War. Yeah. He was definitely, most definitely not a president. Frederick Douglass. Because Barack Obama was the first African-American so president, true. not Frederick Douglass. I like Google Frederick Douglass. I'm like, oh, yeah, he has not been president. <laughs> I would recognize this picture. Well, Bill, what is it? <laughs> you want to be a regular president? Was it regular president like Frederick Douglass? Yeah. Like that's Frederick. what I want to be. Because that, that's <laughs> achievable. That means you're no president true. at all. Because he's the same president. kind of president that you already are. He's a regular are. president. He's a regular president. I'll also take Frederick Douglass. Same here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Unbelievable. Who wants to cause World War Three? Well, I don't think you're doing it on purpose. Although, to be fair, both of the world wars ended, but ending world hunger and a universal health care system with no flaws would probably go on beyond the war. Probably. That's a cost-benefit sort of thing. That's right. But we're all Frederick Douglass. Maybe, so it doesn't world, matter. maybe world hunger ends because, because there of world is a world war, war and it finishes it all off. No life left. Well, they're not hungry anymore. <laughs> There's only three people left in the world. You, can just you and me and Frederick Douglass. Split, split the cans of beans. <laughs> Bill, would you rather be a trailblazing cowboy in the 1800s or Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be the cowboy. I've always wanted to be a cowboy. I, I'll be Canadian. I was born near the border. <laughs> that, that, uh, you're welcome to the club. All right. <laughs> I choose Canada too. They got some good bacon up there. Canadians right. are super nice. That's right. I choose. And I, I know a lot of nice Canadians too. Yeah. Great deals on cars. Yeah. I go Canadian. I don't really want to live in the 1800s. So I'm going to go with Canadian too. Have fun, Bill. Hey. Bill's always wanted to be a That's the way my mom and dad got me to eat pork and beans. They'd say, these are cowboy beans. Oh, well, cowboy beans? we got to eat those. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. All right, last question. We did it. Bill, would you rather have the ability to read minds or everything you throw lands exactly where you want it to? Ooh. <laughs> I think reading minds, I'll take that. I'll take throwing objects. They're, they're just things you don't want to know. Yeah. But yeah. you always want the objects you throw to land where you throw them. Yeah, I don't really want to know what everyone's thinking. I'd rather we don't have to know. Oh. I, I just look at it as being like Donna Agar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so just, you could like turn it on and off like a light uncanny. switch. She just really could read people. So you could turn it on and off like a light Everything switch. Everything she threw yeah. went way far. <laughs> if, you could, if you could turn it on and off like a light switch, I'd choose to read minds. If it just comes to you without like unbidden, I wouldn't want that. I just it sounds like torture. The, the sporting applications of I throwing know. everything. That's what I'm really thinking great. too. You could, yeah, you could become like the next. You don't need to do, like Nolan Ryan. You don't need to put anything away. You, you don't just, need to do anything. You get home, take your hat off, throw it down the hallway. <laughs> it's throw amazing. Everything, and everything goes exactly where you want. It. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't say it no. has to follow any sorts of laws of physics. No, you just right. throw it. I choose that one. No, it's no. There's no take backs. <laughs> That's what I originally <laughs> That's said. Rule number one. 
That's true. So I guess no take backs means that you already chose that. <laughs> it is time. But, but he's the president. And the president can take stuff back. I thought Let's, the president was above the law. I just <laughs> I created an executive order that says, yes, there are take backs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's tearing down the fabric of our podcast society. <laughs> it is time for a word from Rome. Bill is reading the complete history Ooh. of the entire Roman Empire still. Uh, and <laughs> All right. I got something for you today. Go for it. Oh, So there's a group of people called the Tartars. Like tartar sauce? Yeah, is that what it's named so for? They I don't know, but <laughs> no I thought they were Scottish. And they, I, it sounds like, okay, they were in Scotland for some time. But then you follow these tartars, and they're, they're all the way to China. You know, oh, they, huh. they must be wow. migratory. All right. So what else about them? Well, they were cannibals, they think. Oh. oh all right. Tartar sauce, definitely. Wow. And they were... <laughs> Extremely ugly. They were considered <laughs> deformed. So, by whose standards? By that's who I wonder too. Well, the writer of Edward Gibbon. Apparently, they'd been everywhere. If everyone thought they were ugly, they were so probably ugly. In order to, they're deformed. They're ugly. The women don't like them. Not even the Tartar women like the Tartar men. So you think, okay, <laughs> how are they going to procreate? Where are they going to get women from? So the Chinese royalty would send their daughters to be ah. married to these tartar royalty and then there was a letter from one of these chinese women saying i wish i was a bird i could fly back home basically i hate it here yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. think oh how sad how can you give your daughters up just to keep the peace that's the only reason they did it they, sure. they were afraid of the tartars yeah huh. so this is really wild stuff yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awful. You might wonder, what's this got to do with the Roman Empire? Because I keep asking myself, what's this got to do with the Roman Empire? And the, the touch point is the Huns take over the world at certain points. Mm. Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan. Um, so that's, I think, how they're getting into the book. Because the Tartars are related. The, the tar yeah, the Tartars. Well, he's really just talking about every group imaginable out there. And they're... They're all scared to death of the Huns. Mm -hmm. The Huns yeah. sound like just about as bad as it gets. Was Ivan the terrible a Hun? I can't remember. No, he was he Russian. Was, was he Russian? Yeah. I just love that oh, name. Imagine that. Yeah. Your nickname is Ivan the, the terrible. terrible. Your moniker. You were the Hagar terrible. the horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. For listener mail, Scott, the listener mail bill. If you ding, please. ding, ding. Thank you. Eric didn't just send in would you rather. He also hit us with some pretty good questions um, that I want to talk about. One of them right now, Eric writes in and asks, with the world constantly changing around us every day, how do we know if something is for or against the kingdom of God? And I think what he's getting at there a little bit is just, you know, with political groups and social movements and entertainment and, and just, you know, everything always kind of being liquid and shifting and um, people taking sides. Like, how can we know uh, if something is for or against the kingdom of God? What's the, the litmus test? Hmm. Big one for me is, does it agree with what the Bible says or does it not? Hmm. That's the huge litmus test for me. I think Scott was mentioning either last week or a few weeks ago about someone that he had heard kind of give a prophecy uh, yeah. about yeah. this is such thing is going to happen by this date and you'll know. And that didn't happen. It's like, well, the person's a false prophet. Hmm. When you say like, does it agree with what the Bible says? I mean, the, 
the Bible says a lot of things, mm-hmm. and it's you can't necessarily hold all of it in your mind. Like, True. can you talk a little bit about how to how to practically use that? Well, I guess it's hard because it depends on the circumstance. It depends, sure. like, the context of it. Like, I'm thinking Pastor David's been leading us through um, Matthew 24 and 25, and Jesus talking about, like, there's going to be people that say, here, like, the Messiah says, here I am. I'm, You know, if someone's in the inner rooms, don't believe them. Or, like, it, there's going to be a lot of, like, people that do even signs and wonders to deceive. Mm. So, like, that's a warning. Like, don't, mm. <laughs> like, a, like of the end times. But I guess that's a hard question to answer because it, it really would depend on like a specific circumstance yeah. to give like a good answer to. I don't know, in my mind, yeah. I have a hard time coming up because it, it is kind of broad. Yeah. I think that's where the Holy Spirit yeah. really strives with our spirit. Mm. You could be a very new Christian or just a very naive person and still the Holy Spirit has a way of just saying, this isn't for you. This, yeah. isn't, this isn't good. And you just kind of smell it out. Mm. And then later the facts start to bubble up to the surface and you see that Holy Spirit really led me the right yeah. way. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of something that happened when I was probably early 20s, late teens. I was working at a Home Depot. There was this kind of cult group in the area that I'd heard that they were a cult group. And they were, the gist was they were kind of distorting Ephesians 2, like the, the good works that God's prepared in us in advance to do and kind of making some claims that they were the only ones that had those those works and that you had to kind of go to their church. And They mm-hmm. came into my work and I think God just says, like, steer away from these people. This is, like, what they're, because they're trying to, like, evangelize me. Yeah. They're, like, at my job, if I'm remembering correctly. And so that, that was something that, the, it was, like, the Holy Spirit was, and I wasn't, like, a, a super strong believer at the time. It was mm. Probably late teens, mm. kind of newer to faith. But, like, it was a clear warning of, like, don't go near this. Mm. This is not good for you. Mm. I'm grateful mm. for it. Yeah. What do you think, Scott? Um... Well, the first thing that came to mind is, I think this is in Ecclesiastes, um, but the verse that says there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. Um, So the world is changing, but kind of at the core of it, it's all still the same stuff. Mm. It just like manifests itself a little differently, but it's all, you know, obviously not everything that exists in the world is bad, but like there's all, you know, it's still, you know, it's still lust, whether it's, you know, the stuff described in Proverbs of the woman of, you know, um, drawing people astray or it's, you know, like internet pornography, like that's all still driven from lust and lust has been around mm-hmm. since sin entered the world, it seems like. And yeah. so, and that, that's true for all of it. Um, and so like, we don't need to worry that things are going to come up that haven't been like addressed mm-hmm. by God's word mm-hmm. um, because it's all just the same um, stuff in, in kind of different clothes. And this is, this is definitely contingent on, what Dan was saying of, you know, you need to judge things against the Bible um, to know what falls into these qualifications. But it made me also think of Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so as you use the scripture to judge what's true and right, um, I think that anything that falls out of those bounds, like that's probably not hmm. for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking of people who've really impressed me by power, hmm. spiritual power, supposedly. I'm thinking particularly of Benny Hinn, how he used to just wave his hand over a section of a huge audience, and 100, 200 people would just faint huh. or 
in Pentecostal terms, be slain in the spirit simultaneously. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and so people really followed Benny Hinn. I mean, he had a big following. But then I asked myself, okay, what's the purpose of that? Mm. What's coming from that that has eternal consequences? And it looks like the answer is nothing. Mm. Nothing at all. Mm. Uh, it's just some showboat thing. Well, where'd the power come from? I, I don't really know. Mm -hmm. like, was it all an act? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Then later, things started coming out about the life of Benny Hinn that were so despicable that I think, okay, this really is a wolf in sheep's clothing. This is not who I thought he was. Mm -hmm. That reminds me, early on in Acts, the apostles are kind of taken into custody by the Jewish leaders, and they're questioning them, and... It was Gamaliel, I think it was Paul's teacher, saying like, well, hold on a second. If this is of God, it's just going to fizzle out. Or not, if it's of God, it's not going to fizzle out. If it, if it isn't of God, it's just going to, yeah, I don't think I messed that up. If it <laughs> is of God, it's going to continue. If it's not of God, it's going to fizzle out. Yes, yeah. and you will be fighting God. Yeah, and he's you, like, you don't want to yeah, be fighting God. So that's a good mm. litmus test, too, of mm. something is really of God, it really receives his blessing. Yeah. Mm. And if it's not, it yeah. won't. And I think the things that are of God, you know, sh speak directly to, to who he is. And I think that's another good um, litmus test of, you know, if this was telling the truth, what mm -hmm. would this be telling us about God, mm -hmm. about who he is and who we are in relation to him? Mm -hmm. um, is this saying that we are, is, is this, if this was true, would our standing as, as humanity be greater than it, than it, than it was before? Mm -hmm. um, would we, you know, be closer to being as powerful or closer to being as important, closer to being as capable of saving ourselves as, as, as God. Um, or is this, you know, revealing more about who he is, uh, and who I know him to be, who the Bible says that he is. Um, I think that's another, another good, um, good test as, as well. Well, I think you're putting your finger on it, that if you can see that, We'll take Benny Hinn again. If people were truly being saved, truly being healed, if the town was being changed, then even if I have personal qualms about the evangelist, all right, God bless him. But I was struck by something I read yesterday in a Philip Yancey book. It was he went to South America and there was a woman who literally took the New Testament took it literally when it said, take the orphans into your home. She, she took 34 children off the street wow. into her home, clothed them, fed them, and sent them to school. This one woman is accomplishing more than most mega churches accomplish. Mm -hmm. What an embarrassment, really, to all the rest of us, that here's one person taking the Word of God literally mm -hmm. and, and changing probably at least a neighborhood yeah. and certainly the lives of all those children. And then they're going to go and, and see that example and yeah. touch other people's lives. They will never be the same. So I'm, I'm blessed that I got to read that sentence. I just think, mm -hmm. man, that is awesome. Yeah. Well, it is time for bets. Uh, last week, 
We <laughs> had a fun little bet about <laughs> the snow that would cover the roof while Dan was preaching uh, because we expected that we would have an outdoor service despite a National Weather Service warning about a snowstorm. Uh, <laughs> we said how many centimeters would fall while Dan was preaching and as a tiebreaker what the outside temperature would be. Dan said 0.7 centimeters and 28 <laughs> degrees. Uh, Scott said no centimeters, 28 degrees. <laughs> Bill said no centimeters, 30 degrees. I said two centimeters, 31 degrees. Sean Mitchell wrote in. He said three and a half centimeters at 28 degrees. Uh, he did not specify what kind of temperature, so we will assume centigrade. Uh, very <laughs> off, Sean. Get of course. It together. <laughs> of course. Way too high. Um, the service was obviously canceled because of the blizzard that was so taking Bill place. Bill and I were right. Uh, but we have <laughs> ways of figuring out the correct answer. Listeners, uh, get out your calculators and follow along at home. We got 10.8 inches of snow total over Whoa. the course of 24 hours in this zip code. Dan's sermon was exactly 20 minutes long on the online service, which is incredible. It's like 2001, um, meaning that for those watching the online service at home, regardless of when they were watching it during Dan's sermon, an average of 0.15 inches of snow fell, which converts to 0.38. Eight one centimeters. So Dan pulls out the win by 0.032 centimeters of snow. Well done, Mr. President. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. That's why you're the president. That's why <laughs> insider knowledge. You got my yeah. He's got, he's got the <laughs> direct channel to God, uh, as all podcast presidents do. Uh, all in all, I'll, I'll get the you. win for that phone. To- uh, Pick up the direct line. I'll get you your jelly beans in just a, a, a moment. Uh, all in all, uh, we learned a valuable lesson about making bets about this church's response to the weather. Uh, this week, we are once again scheduled to have our drive-in service during a weather advisory. As of right now, it is predicted to be a balmy negative 10 degrees at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning with a 20, 20% chance of snow. The question is simple. Will we have an outdoor service? <laughs> <laughs> is the forecast to be negative 10 right now? Uh, with the wind chill? As of this morning. With wind chill? I or, don't know. Because last I saw, the, was, the low was... The low on Sunday right now, according to the weather app, is zero. So, will we have the outdoor will service? Will we have an outdoor service as a, as a tiebreaker? Seven. As a tiebreaker, if the service is canceled, what time will that announcement be made on Facebook? And if the service isn't canceled, how many cars will show up? So you're given three answers technically just in case. Uh, But your answer is a yes or no. Will we have an outdoor service? If the service is canceled, what time will that announcement get posted on Facebook? And if the service isn't canceled, how many cars will show up? Bill? I don't think we'll have the service in zero-degree weather. 748. For the Facebook time, 14 cars, if we do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Scott. I said that we are going to have the service. Yeah. The announcement will go up at seven at 7.15 in the morning, and that there will be 30 cars if we have it. Damn. I say no, and I don't think so. Okay. Because I think it will be probably below zero with the wind chill. doesn't seem safe for Pastor David. No, Exposed skin well, at that temperature. Man. I want to see Scott play the guitar in below zero weather. <laughs> Don't get your hopes Scott's up. fingers break off. <laughs> 7.45 for the Facebook time, 21 cars. 21 cars. I said, wow. yes, there will be a service. Uh, I think if it's canceled, it'll go out at 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> Why it's so late? Because... 
because so, because three people have to wake up and then tell each oh. other. I think there shouldn't be a service. Okay. Uh, and then I think if we still have the service, it'll be twenty-two. <laughs> I think Scott and I are going to be texting each other. We should we should do it. We shouldn't I do know, it. We shouldn't I'm do it. Like, we shouldn't do it. No. I, yes. That's what this last weekend was. I want to win the bet. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta have I a mean, service. <laughs> I don't think we should do it, but I think that we will do it. <laughs> Let's get into topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you by the Young Adults Bible Study. Mm. 18 to 20-somethings? Never heard of it. Young couples, <laughs> thing of the past. Come be a part of a new group at Bloomingdale Church for people in the, on average, 24-year-old-ish age range. We have fun and games and, most importantly, Jesus Christ. The Young Adults Bible Study is a new community of young people who want to learn how to love Jesus more fully as they go through some of life's most challenging years together. The Young Adults Bible Study, every Wednesday night, in person, in the coffee house, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash new young adults to see a cool picture of the church, and it'll say feeling lost because there's no web page for the new group yet. And don't go to old young adults either. Don't go, go, to, go to the new young adults. If you go to just bloomingdalechurch.org slash adults, that page has been updated. There's oh, still really? a picture of Stuart, but uh, tonight we'll get a better picture. I like that it's it a better picture. Anymore. What? <laughs> there is Sorry, none. Stuart. Stuart and... Because um, he's listening. <laughs> That's true. Uh, uh, Tim. <laughs> well, not after that comment. So we're taking nominations for pictures. Sure. Do you have a nomination for pictures? <laughs> what does that even or mean? Just no, no, I'm just, I'm just taking nominations. Who do you think should be pictured in this? Mm. Uh, it's clearly Eric and Josh. <laughs> for topic of the week this week, uh, we want to take a moment um, and talk about grief. Um, it's something that we've talked about, uh, on the show a number of different times and, and that's come up as, as something we wanted to do an episode on, um, because ultimately death has been conquered, uh, and we don't have to fear death, but the pain of loss is something that we still all, uh, feel that we still all are hurt by, even when, uh, someone who, you know, we know is with Jesus Christ, like when they pass away, it still hurts and it's still sad. Um, even Jesus grieved when his, you know, his cousin John the Baptist was was executed, or 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 wept at the death of Lazarus, a man that he was about to resurrect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to start off, sort of this question of if, if Jesus overcame death uh, and God has won over evil in the broad sense, why do we still grieve? Why do we still feel that pain? I think to put it into more temporal yeah. uh, kind of understanding. If you think about a, a friend who moves away or a family member who moves away, like even though you know you'll see them again, it's still sad. It's still hard to not be with them right now. Mm. I think it's the same. It's like you know you'll still see them mm. again, but like you can't see them now and that's sad. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know that you're going you're gonna to miss them. Their impact on, they had an impact on your life. You loved them deeply mm. and it can't help but affect you. Mm. I think it's also really to really have a mindset that's geared towards like the the next life is incredibly difficult, like because it's entirely out of our realm of experience. Mm-hmm. Like we can know it to be true in every part of our being, and still like not really know what it's going to be like, and not really be able to put ourselves into like you know what Paul says when he says like this is. You know, everything that we experience here is just light and momentary, because mm-hmm. um, like this is all that we know. Mm. Um, and so even though we know that it's hard to truly like think in, in those terms mm. all the time mm-hmm. 
or even some of the time. Yeah, especially because grief tends to come in waves mm. for a lot of people. It doesn't just all hit you at once like a, a can when someone passes away, hits you like a ton of bricks. Mm. But then it's when there's a special anniversary with that person. Or yeah. mm. you go to a place that you have a memory with that person and they're no longer there. It's a reminder. It's the, their birthday mm. or a mm. holiday. and can really be like the waves of the sea just kind of crashing. Mm. And it's just You don't even expect it. Yeah. Like we know that God can and he does heal us and take that mm-hmm. that pain away. Mm-hmm. I know it's a big question and not a fair question as as Job would be the first person to tell you, but like why doesn't God just make grief like a, oh, like it's a one, mm-hmm. it's a bad day. Why does it have to come back in waves? Why does, mm-hmm. you know, why does pain stick to us? Mm-hmm. It's a result of the fall. Mm-hmm. I think pretty much all pain and grief are results of of sinfulness and mm. and the resulting curse on on the mm-hmm. creation and so I mean I think God would be doing us a disservice if mm. and if he, if he took it away because we wouldn't we wouldn't see you know mm. r- and really feel the the impact on the world that yeah. our sins have had. Yeah. Like it, it's, we haven't earned having our grief taken away mm. and we never will. And we can't. Yeah. It's hard to have grief without love. Mm. You mm. grieve the people you actually love. So I think of my mother died. I love my mother. So grief has to come when death has separated you from the person you love. Mm. So we all want love. <laughs> we want to receive it and we want to give it. But the other side of the coin is grief. Mm. There's going to come a point where you're not going to have that person anymore, and, and grief is going to ensue. Mm. I think God uses grief as a means for us to know him more and in a deeper way than as if it didn't exist. Mm. We wouldn't have that, that opportunity to walk through grief mm. with others in community, mm. to really seek God deeply and his help, his comfort, yeah. And then just being on the other side of, and I don't know if you ever really fully get to the other side of grief. I think there's, there's mm-hmm. still moments like Bill, I'm sure that you're grieved by the loss of your mom years later. And mm-hmm. I, myself thinking of my own grandfather died like 20 years ago. I was thinking about him recently and feeling a little bit sad about that. And, mm-hmm. But there's a great comfort that God brings and enables us to comfort other people who are going through grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite Bible passage. Second Corinthians one three and four. Also, the Bible passage that holds the record for the most most use favorite the word passages. <laughs> uses the word comfort so many times in that passage. It also makes me think about you know the Bible talks a lot about kind of like rejoicing in our sufferings because it yep. enables us to sort of enter into Jesus' we sufferings share with in him. The suffering, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think this is kind of another side of that same idea of like certainly God grieves um, at Amen. the destruction and death in the world because it's, hmm. you know, he made it very good and we made it really suck <laughs> with our <laughs> sin. Uh, and so I'm sure every time someone dies, every time there's some kind of disaster, like God feels grief at, mm-hmm. um, at just the, the needlessness of it all mm-hmm. because he made it perfect. Mm-hmm. And so when we grieve loss and death and all of that as well, you know, we can enter into... Mm-hmm the sufferings, if that's the right word of God, the father, yeah, you know, in the same way that we can enter into the sufferings of Jesus. And that's part of, you know, as both of you are saying, you know, God's plan to redeem his, his creation is like, we weren't designed to, to feel as Bill said, like 
grief is that flip side of love. Like we weren't designed to ever have love ripped away from us. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that redemption process as, as it says in second Corinthians as well, um, and Romans, you know, if we are heirs, if we are going to, to participate as heirs in the inheritance of the kingdom of God, we also participate as heirs in the inheritance and, and participate uh, in the suffering of Jesus. Mm. Um, and that that's part of it. Yeah. Um, that, that that's a part of, you know, the, the groaning of the spirit and the, the pain. Um, and, and all of creation is going through grief. All of creation is in the pains of childbirth. As mm. Romans eight says, um, straining and waiting for the day when Jesus comes and he makes everything right. Mm. Um, but if there's no free pass, there's no, okay, cool. I don't have to feel anything negative and mm. I can get to heaven and high five Jesus and sit down at the table. Um, mm. You know, if we're going to be heirs, you know, part of that redemption process, and, and this has come up a number of times the last couple of weeks, but like just knowing the weight of our separation and knowing the weight of evil in our mm -hmm. lives, in the world, what it costs, what it means, um, how we participate in evil, how we look God in the face and then turn around and, 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 and betray him. Like knowing that is, is part of what makes a witness so strong, it is part of what makes redemption reflect God so strongly. Mm -hmm. um, knowing the weight of all of that is what, is what lets you say, who God is with such confidence, because you know, even just a fraction, like even on earth, we can't know the whole story of what it costs, but I know just a fraction and that fraction is too much for me to bear. There's not just negative things that come from grief. There's mm. some real good. Mm. So you watch a family that's on the front row at a funeral service and they're all covered with tears. Yeah. They're holding wet Kleenex. They're holding hands. They have their arm around one another. And what's happening is they're drawing closer together. Mm. And often at funerals, people get right with each other. Mm. That's one of the beautiful things that can come from a funeral. Yeah. That people who've been fighting with each other for 10, 20 years are confronted with one another, they apologize, they reestablish their fellowship. So grief has a silver lining to it. Mm -hmm. In grief, is it okay to be mad at God for, for letting things happen or for taking people away from us? You know, if we have a relationship with God and even people who don't have a relationship with God can sometimes experience emotions towards him. Mm -hmm. um, but what is the range of, of our possible responses um, to a God that we know loves us, but whose plans are not our plans and whose plans can hurt and confuse and give us whiplash. And in the process of trying to get to the place of saying your will be done, is it okay to be angry? Is it okay to ask a lot of questions and not be satisfied with the answers? Yeah. I think that's what a lot of the Psalms are. Mm. <laughs> mm. Today on WMBI, there was a guest pastor and he said, to complain against God is sin. To complain to God 
is a psalm. <laughs> Boy, that is really beautiful. I don't know this for sure, but it, it seems to me that God would rather that you be mad at him and engaging with him than just like walk away from him mm. and be cold towards him. Yeah. Mm. I know there's probably people listening that may either have found themselves in that situation of, you know, being angry at God or with God for something that's happened. Yeah, I see the Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? I think we've all felt mm. that way yeah. in moments of difficulty in our lives. But I, what I would advise someone who's dealing with anger with God is don't stay there forever. Mm. Really seek to get help from God, from others. Don't suffer alone. Yeah, I think that's one of the great things in times of grief that we can lean on other people. Mm. The worst thing we could do is just keep it to ourselves. So now we just need to have these emotions, but never share them, never express them to anyone, because eventually they're going to come out. Yeah. And probably in a negative way, it could affect your health, whether that's emotional, mm-hmm. physical, spiritual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to combine Scott and, and what you just said, Dan, like God wants us to to turn to him, but also like, don't be afraid to turn to him. Don't be, don't be afraid to ask in no uncertain terms and in common English, when you pray, like I need you, Mm -hmm. I can't do this anymore on my own. Will you please be here with me and let me see that you're here with me. Just let me see one little thing on a shelf to know that you're here with me. Mm -hmm. When I was going through a missions training, it was like a four week long thing. And they, taught us a prayer and it was very simple. Father help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that stuck with me of like you're saying, you don't have to you're just in plain English. Father help. I don't yeah. I don't know how to process this. I don't know how to I don't have to know how to put one foot in front of the other today. That's right. Because it's not like help. an exam. It's not like it's like, okay, you gotta go through this and when you get to the end then you can have a relationship with God. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've proved your faith and now God will love you and, and you'll feel his presence and, mm-hmm. and it's God's crying with you. Yeah. Amen. God is yeah. grieving with you. Like he, he knows that he is in that room with you and he wants you to know that he's in that room with you. And he wants you to turn around and, and, and ask him to show you because he wants to show himself to you. That's one of the great delights of being a, a live human being is mm-hmm. having God reveal himself to you. And if you ask him and if you, if you ask him and, and you mean it, he'll do it. Mm-hmm. I believe that. He's always done it with me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I believe that too. And I had a new insight looking at this Psalm 13 and the others that are like it just now sitting at the mm-hmm. table. Dan recited the verse, first verse. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Mm-hmm. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I struggle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? This is a very short psalm. It ends with this. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. That's all in the space of six verses. And one way that I see this is the psalmist is experiencing healing while he's complaining to God. Mm. Not complaining about God, complaining directly to God. And the Lord says, I see your pain. And he begins to put hope in the person's heart. Yet I will sing to you. Mm. 
there's only one psalm that doesn't end with a, a note of praise. Mm-hmm. Psalm 88. All the other ones, no matter how bad it is, they, they end with a, mm-hmm. a, a hopeful word of praise mm-hmm. at the very end. Yeah. And, you know, this is a, a question that we've asked in a number of different contexts on this show. But I think, how is God going to win? Because God always wins. God is always glorified. He doesn't need humanity to glorify him. He's got all of the universe that he created that, that shows who he is. Mm-hmm. In every situation, God redeems. In every situation, God has brought glory. How is he going to win in this? And how is Jesus Christ going to be shown more clearly to someone because of this? Mm-hmm. And that can help too, to know that like I am on his side and I'm in his hands and his victories are ultimately my victories. And I am just a tiny speck who gets to ride mm-hmm. along with the, the great, beautiful victory parade that is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but ask, you know, show me how you're, show me just a little way of how you, how you are winning in this. Mm-hmm. I saw God winning at Ruth Waterman's memorial Amen. service. Mm-hmm. My goodness, that Amen. was rousing being in there present and Scott leading the songs, which are like, it was just great to sing along and sing along with a group of, I don't know, 250 people who were yeah. really believed the words of the hymns we were singing and yeah. hearing the stories of her life and the testimonies of who, what she was like and the mm-hmm. kind of faithful Christian she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it was really inspiring. It was. It was beautiful. <sighs> I was thinking about Corey Ten Boom and her sister Betsy in the prisoner of war camp mm-hmm. during... World War II. Mm-hmm. And if there was ever a bleak situation, that was it. Mm-hmm. They are they're in poor health. They're in incredibly overcrowded barracks. They bring in prostitutes that everybody's uncomfortable around. They have lice in their hair. Can't get any worse than this. And then it does. It gets mm-hmm. even worse, you know. Mm-hmm. The guard leers at them as they have to walk naked in front of him and just everything is going wrong. But one of the things in the midst of all that is they have this little tiny bottle of medicine with an eyedropper and, and Betsy needs this medicine, but the other women start asking for it. And Corey Ten Boom doesn't want to share it because my sister needs this. This is mm. keeping her alive. And Betsy's like, no, you've got to share it. And miraculously, just like the widow's oil in First or Second Kings, this little tiny bottle just goes on and on and on and on. And all these women are getting help. And they're coming to Christ because they see Jesus in Corey and Betsy. And, and he's irresistible. So it's just awesome. They're yeah. practically having a revival right there in this mm-hmm. barracks. It's very subdued because you're going to get beaten down if you all start singing. But it it's, shows the power of the kingdom of God. Amen. You can't beat it down no matter how hard you try. Mm. That is a great book, and that's an invitation. It is. We've talked about God Smuggler a lot on this show. We talked about this, the, the barracks. And the, the hiding place or two the, peas in a pod. Absolutely. Yes. I mean... Yeah. They're very similar. And they're from the two people in question are very close. Their towns are right next right next to each other, separated by like 40 years. Um but I mean you just I think that absolutely nails it. I think I think that's completely right. 
I find great comfort in the fact that Isaiah 53 says that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Mm. Yeah. That when we mm. go through grief of, you know, different kinds, it doesn't have to be the death of a loved one. It could be just suffering, sorrow, could be depression for some folks, just that Jesus was acquainted with that and he's not unfeeling to our plight. Mm. He knows what we're feeling and what's going on. It gives me all the more confidence to, to mm. go to him, to turn to him like you were saying, Max. Yeah. And he as, knew as someone who was acquainted with it, familiar with it. Exactly. And yesterday he knew what I was going to feel today. Mm-hmm. And and like we talked about when he was telling, you know, when he tells Peter not exactly how he's going to die, but that he's going to die. And Bill, you said, you know, he he doesn't tell the rest of the <laughs> disciples that you're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. Um but he could have because he knew it. Um but he made me for today knowing yesterday who I would need to be today mm-hmm. and knowing all the things I was going to suffer today. And, and he knows what I'm going to suffer a month from now, mm-hmm. but I can't carry that knowledge now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too much. And I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. As a last thought, how, and this kind of ties into what we talked about with, with Jesus Christ winning in our mm-hmm. grief, how can we be, how can I be a witness through mourning? How can I be a witness through grief? And, and I, I want to say the easy answer tends to be like you say to someone, I am grieving, mm-hmm. but I also have Jesus. Do you have Jesus? And, and I don't want to downplay that because I think that is true, but I also think sometimes it, it can feel a little mm-hmm. disingenuous, mm-hmm. Um, at least here sitting at this table to say that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel disingenuous when you are grieving and you... And you, if you really mean that when you say mm-hmm. it to someone, but how can I be a witness? How can we be witnesses? How can a listener be a witness in their mourning? I think being true is very important because mm-hmm. God does live in the truth. Mm-hmm. And to simply say, I am hurting, I am devastated. I don't even want to mm-hmm. live anymore. Mm-hmm. Be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People can identify with that. Yeah. I would say that too. Don't don't suffer in silence. That's not a good place to be. And I don't think God wants you to be in that place of just being in your mind and feeling like I need to be strong. I need to be. I can't say anything. I can't can't show any emotion. That's okay to show that you're struggling. It doesn't make you a weaker person. It actually, makes you. I feel stronger to be able to share. Amen. And be honest. Yeah, there's a big difference between Christianity and Stoicism. You know, Stoics, they don't want to show grief. Jesus had no problem with crying, weeping yeah. when mm-hmm. Lazarus is dead. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be a stoic. Mm. It's it's just a falsehood. Yeah. I was thinking of something sort of related, but sort of not. Okay. <laughs> of how can we reach out to people who are grieving? Absolutely. And be a witness to them, be a like a help to them. Because I feel like a lot of times for us who aren't grieving, we see someone in grief, it can feel really uncomfortable mm-hmm. to enter into their grief. Like, what do I what do I say? Like but nothing we're going to say is going to be that profound to really, like, unless God really speaks to us, it speaks through us in some way yeah. to really change what's going on. We can't change the circumstance or what happened, but even just being, having an arm around someone's shoulder, letting them know that you care, yeah. saying a prayer for someone, yeah. even just things that we think are, are small. Sometimes we think we need to do a grand gesture and well, I don't know what to do in a grand gesture, so I'm not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Just even mm-hmm. a small gesture, a card in the mail or showing up at someone's door, mm-hmm. a text message. Yeah. Those things can all speak volumes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember reading something. I don't even remember what the context was. I think it was just like conversational 
tricks or something. It was a long time ago, but this uh, idea of like if um, the gist of it was basically like if you don't say anything, like the other person will keep talking. Um, mm. In and I can't remember like how exactly they framed it. Like you know, this is your motive for doing this, but like you know, this idea like if someone has something that they want to say and you just kind of like give them space to say it, that they'll they'll keep kind of going. And I think that when you are with someone who's really going through a difficult time, just let there be silence. Let them mm. just keep going because they're yeah. probably like they don't know what they they probably don't know what they want to say, mm. but they probably just need to say a lot of things and just get it all out there. And you just kind of just keep taking it and keep taking it and keep taking it. And eventually, I think you'll kind of find a lull where then you can respond and mm. say whatever it is that God is putting on your heart to say. But just mm-hmm. allowing them to just keep talking because they probably will, mm. even if there's like a couple, you know, breaks and as they kind of gather their thoughts and figure things out. That reminds me of Job's friends. That's maybe the one good thing they did do. Sat with him for a really long time and just get quiet. <laughs> just Seven let him, days. yeah, let him grieve. Yeah. And there was just complete silence. Touch is really important too. Mm-hmm. I was blessed sitting about four rows behind Dale and his family last Saturday. And why I was blessed is Ashley Waterman is sitting next to Dale. And she's put her arm at his back, and you could just see her hand patting him on the back. Mm-hmm. And she's got tears coming down her face, and he's crying. You think, wow, that's, that's so beautiful. I'm glad you're doing it, Ashley. You're kind of like doing it for all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Bill, would you mind just praying for people who are grieving right now and uh, people who are, are in mourning? Yeah. Lord, it is comforting to know that you grieve with all of us as we grieve. You're not aloof, in any way cold, mm-hmm. and you are able to supernaturally give peace that does surpass all comprehension. In our church is a lot of grieving going on right now. People are... Mm-hmm died and other people are at death's door and they're leaving people behind that love them deeply and who feel as badly as humanly possible just feel sick from from the grief we pray you will minister peace to them even as we call out for it we pray that you would use all of us to do and say and be something that brings a measure of comfort and, and peace to those that were around. Help us, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you. Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can always send questions. And would you rather's trivia quizzes, um, prayers, people that we can pray for, or the ways that God has won out in your grief, Mm. um, to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank Thank you, you, Max. Max. Bill, take us home. You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church 
podcast brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Mm-hmm.